Hello and welcome everybody into another episode of the Wired Up Sports Podcast. I'm Josh Coleman alongside Dylan Malfatti. How you doing, Dylan? Fighting off a cold, man, and yeah, I, this week has been a little rough, I'm not going to lie. Just Monday, I was like, I was hit hard, and then, uh, you know, I feel I feel better today, slowly getting better recovering, but uh, I mean, other than that, I'm not doing too bad. How about you, man? Hold on. Did you say tit hard? I don't think so. Okay, that's what it sounded like in my in my headphones. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I don't. What I, does that even mean? I don't think so. <laughs> tit hard. What? Right. That, I mean, that, maybe I did. That could be the sickness brain talking. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, pretty good. Otherwise, I guess I think is what I was trying to say. Okay. I it, I heard it and I was like, that can't be what he said. That just yeah. can't be what he said. No, I'm pretty sure I didn't say tit hard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm tired. Man. So if I'm coughing, that's why. It's okay. It's okay. Everybody, all right. Dylan's sick. Go make fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> Hop on Twitter, wired underscore up underscore sports, and yep. just give me all the shit you can, please. I'm yep. begging. I hate the. All the underscores. I couldn't just get wired up sports. I will be honest. I tried so hard. That's all right. Well, uh, we got we do have some some big things that we're we're planning on doing, so it may not stick for that long anyway, right? So no, it should be. I can guarantee by September I'll have it done. It's just there's dude Septem- navigation, buddy. We're we're in September right now. I know. By like I can guarantee it'll be up by the end of oh, September. Oh, by the end of September. Okay. Yeah. She said by September. I was like, no, no, no. buddy, it's September. <laughs> no, no, no. By by the end. Right. Just because I dude, navigation for websites is so goddamn hard. And for somebody who doesn't make websites, out here struggling. Yeah. Um I'm not smart enough for that. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, but for today's show, it's gonna be all football oriented because Christmas Day is finally here. NFL season starts the day we're recording this. We will not get into the game today because it'll go out after that. But NFL season finally is here. Sports are back on the horizon. NBA starts the 30th of this month preseason. Uh, hockey will start. NHL starts around then too. I was like, it'll start either the 30th or shortly into October. My goodness, we don't just have baseball. It's a lovely, lovely time in the sports world. Yep. Uh, but for today's show, obviously all football will talk. Emmanuel Sanders retiring at, retiring a Bronco as well. Uh, then we'll move into the Russell Wilson Seattle Seahawks divorce, which more details have come to light, which I think is ironic, of course, three days before the game. <laughs> right. Or four days. It's thir- they, you know, they probably waited. You're right. Like they waited to post this one until the the timing of this article is is mightily suspicious <laughs> both, from both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we'll finish up with some week one dive in. I may I might try to fill some fantasy football talk in there as well. Uh, just as we rattle off some matchups, but Emmanuel Sanders. Retires a Bronco. I'm I'm sure you watched his retirement video. It was very heartwarming. I I loved watching it, and it makes me sad that he's not going to be in the league anymore. But it it it's his time, and he served not only the Broncos, the Steelers, and the Bills very very well. He was great in his role, was a terrific leader, and and was always somebody that you could count on in late game situations. Yeah, he was uh, he was such a reliable receiver. You know, like he wasn't. He wasn't always the like the best receiver on the field or anything like that, but he always had pretty sure hands, which is something that you need in those late game sort of clutch situations. Just somebody that you can you can trust to catch a pass, you know. Yeah. When well, it's when it's third and and four, you know. And he was never afraid to put his body on the line to make that grab either. No. There were a lot of hits where I legitimately thought Emmanuel Sanders died on the field, like the one against the Rams where he laid out for a pass and just oh. got headhunted and I legit thought he died. I was I didn't see that one live. I was actually listening to it on the radio and uh cuz I was driving somewhere and I was like, "Oh no." Like 
This is the worst possible scenario right now. Bro, it was a vicious hit. Me and my dad were watching the game live because I think it was like my senior year of high school, maybe my junior somewhere. It was I was still in high school and we were watching it. And I just we both turned to each other like, oh, my God. Yeah. One, that's the most blatant flag of all time. And two, we're like, he's for sure got a concussion Two, potentially something worse. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was always he was always somebody that I loved having on the Broncos roster. So I was sad to see him go. I mean, he did play 12 years in the NFL. He's 35 now. That's a, that's a long career for a receiver too. long career. He was the third round pick by the Steelers. Like he just always third round picks kind of, it's a 50, 50 shot. And Sanders always made the most of his, his opportunities. I mean, he was playing with, uh, a B at the time. Yeah. Like, it was the legendary Steelers receiving core because he was drafted in 2010. So that would have been uh, right after their Super Bowl run, if I'm remembering correctly. So Heinz Ward, I think, would have just retired. San Antonio Holmes might have been on the roster, but that would have been right as they're bringing in guys like Antonio Brown. Martavis Bryant was a couple of years later. He was right in the mix with all of those dudes and still carved out a great name for himself. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely like the number two guy in Pittsburgh. Yes. I think it was kind of the number two guy here in, in Denver as well. Um, or maybe like a 1A, 1B situation with uh, Demarius Thomas. Yeah. Um, and Wes Welker when he was here too. God, I miss that guy too. Me too. You want to talk I... about some a guy that puts his body on the line? I could not imagine being a slot receiver in the NFL, man. No, me either. Also, like running through the most dangerous territory on the field. Dude, it's terrifying. Yeah. You don't even running a slant in the NFL just seems awful. Yeah. Uh, awful, man, cuz like there's somebody that's got you lined up all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it's miserable. But you brought up Wes, Wel- Wes Welker and it bring it always brings a vivid image of him running in my head with his head bobble. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like tiny little bobble in his head. <laughs> yeah, his head wobbling the whole time it yeah. was the funniest thing in the world yeah um but i don't know if you were able to see any of like the press conference or anything with the manual i watched bits and pieces and like saw little clips of answers but i didn't get to watch the whole thing yeah i didn't i didn't get to watch it either unfortunately um i did see him kind of uh he put out like an instagram video or something like that um just talking about you know how grateful he was for the, you know, the organization and the NFL and all the fans here in, in Denver, really, uh, really latching onto him. I think everybody loved Emmanuel Sanders. How could you not anyway? Right. Like he was, he was a lovable guy. He gave back to the community. He was stand up to all the fans and he never really complained about anything. No, you know, a lot of receivers are kind of divas. You know, and uh, he was not that really. No, never. He just went out there. He did his job and he did it pretty damn well, too. So, right, right. I mean, he was a two time Pro Bowl selection, played in three Super Bowls, two with the Broncos. um, And he was a part of the obvious Super Bowl 50 winning team. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of my favorite quotes from the press conference was he I I didn't get to hear the question. All, All I heard was the response. But he brought up how Peyton elevated his career but it was Demarius who also elevated his his career as well with just the competition the brotherhood uh between those two guys and they always were really really good friends and obviously we know what happened with DT but it it was one of those you watched those two guys together on the field it was it was a magical moment because they truly loved each other and like that whole offense was just a unit they were a family yeah yeah, they were. I mean, and you so one of the vivid memories in my mind was um it was Peyton Manning's first first year here against the Texans when he broke the uh the touchdown record. And they were like playing keep away from Peyton Manning. You oh, know? it's one of the it funniest such, videos. It's one of the funniest videos. You know, it was like all choreographed, you know. Which is well, it makes it even better too. So it's it's funnier too, because I don't think Peyton was in on the choreograph. I think it was Julius Thomas, DT, and Emmanuel, and Wes Welker who said, all right, guys, he's going to throw it this game. 
when it happens, we're going to play keep away with him. And Peyton yeah. is just running back and forth like a little child. No, I feel like he was part of that. I feel like that was all his idea. I don't know, I man. feel like because Peyton was that kind of guy. Peyton you know? is hilarious. He's he so hilarious. funny. And I feel like that was all his idea because, like, if it wasn't choreographed, he would have just stood there like, can I have the ball, please? <laughs> but the fact that he's, like, running around trying to get it from him makes I mean, me think that it was all part of his, it was his idea. It, it very well could have been. Peyton is. And also, that's just Peyton's. That's, he's a jokester. Peyton's sense of humor. Yeah, he's a yeah, jokester. He's a, he's a funny guy. I always love Peyton and all of his jokes. but And, and even, I know. Sanders, and I didn't know this, I have the article up, I had read it, but I don't know if this had fully set in my mind. Manuel Sanders said that he was about to sign with uh, Kansas City, and his quote is, I wanted to sign three years in Kansas City, and they wanted to sign me to four. I get the call in the facility that I can go to Denver, and I remember telling the Chiefs, I kind of want to go back to my hotel and figure out the situation. I was trying to get out of there so I could sell it celebrate that I'm going to play with Peyton. <laughs> yeah. Who was like, yeah, I'll sign. Oh, John Elway's calling. Peyton Manning's going to play. Shit. Hold on, John. I got to find a way out of this Kansas yeah. city. <laughs> You're like, uh, I, I just, you know, I need some time to, uh, to think about this. He, yeah, obviously I, made a, made his decision right then and there. I need an extra day to think about this. Leaves the facility, calls his agent Hey, I need a flight to Denver. We're signing there. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not I'm not signing to Kansas City. Absolutely. No. Not. Yeah, that that's a hilarious story. I never even that I that had never come out cuz I don't even remember that when he had signed ever being brought up by any of the media. No. No, I didn't. I didn't either. That's um, awesome. That is pretty awesome. So it also says in this article that uh he had a couple teams reach out to play this season. Um, but ultimately said his long-term health considerations uh, kind of factored into his decision to retire. Um, he did retire as a Bronco, which, yes. like, he... I, I don't know where his two Pro Bowls came from. I would assume that they were with the Broncos because um, he had four... Or, or sorry, three 3,000-yard seasons with the Broncos. Yeah, two of which I want to say Peyton both Man. were with us. Yeah, so and also he has the the Super Bowl uh ring here as well. So he got that um, motherfucking ring on his finger. <laughs> yeah, boy. Uh no, I, but I I think that that was that was cool that he came back and and re-signed with the Broncos similar to uh to Derek Wolf who also had all of his uh major career success here in Denver. Right. Uh, and and Derek, I know, before he left, was he wanted to spend his career here. I think it really kind of bummed him out that uh, he I, was traded away. Yeah, well, and I got to admit, I was never upset with any of those trades because they were so pivotal. Pivotable. Pivotal. Pivotal. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I had to take a second to let my brain reset. Pivotal in the Super Bowl championship victories that I was fine trading them away to go try to get another one and compete at a higher level than the Broncos were going to in the next five years. Oh yeah, sure. For sure. For sure. And yeah. So, but I will ask you, would it have changed your mind or changed your feelings about this situation if he didn't retire a Bronco and just posted like a statement? Cause for me, it probably wouldn't have because it would have been enough of a tribute to the Broncos within his retirement speech to essentially retire a Bronco. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, it, it definitely wouldn't have uh, have changed my viewpoint on this at all. Because, um, I mean, like I like I just said, I mean, he, he had all of his major career successes here in Denver. Um, and he knows that, you know, uh, playing with Peyton Manning, winning a Super Bowl, going to two Pro Bowls. This is this was kind of his home, you know, and especially because he he made such a uh, or he hang on, how do I put this? He found such a family here, you know, with uh, with those guys that he was playing with. Yeah, and he made such an early early to mid two thousand or twenty tens. 
And he made such an impact here, too. Yeah. Yeah, so, both on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's also, as we wrap up this conversation, I will say, Broncos players, and specifically that team when, like, Peyton was here and Chris Harris Jr. was here, Vaughn Miller, they were always very, very good in the community. Mm-hmm. They always took made an effort to get out to children's hospitals, to go greet kids, go play with, or like to play 60s. They were always very, very active. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Um, that was a good group of guys. And, uh, man, I, I think that uh, that this current core that the Broncos have right now, they have a lot to learn from them. I would agree. I would agree. Um, and, you know, Speaking of a lot to learn from them, our front office could learn a lot from the details that have recently come out of the divorce between Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, in yeah. which one of the major, major problems was that uh, the Seattle Seahawks eventually started to look at and go to the pro days of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Now, I understand the NFL's a business and all of that good stuff. But when you have a guy like Russell Wilson who you're paying just an absolute shitload of money to go out to who, guys who were looked at as soon-to-be all-stars, guaranteed franchise quarterbacks in the NFL, to go to their pro days and be a team where really nobody thought you should be there or would be there, is a little suspicious. Yeah. And so this this article that I think you and I both read, it's it's a long article. Yes, uh, and actually just, just throwing that out there, but I mean there was way more than just that. Um that whole relationship between the Seahawks organization and Russell Wilson had become strained ever since I think like 2018-2019, something like that. I think even prior to that, because, I mean, there's there was strain. There had to be some strain after you just within the locker room and then Russell Wilson and the Seattle front office after you lose Super uh, that would have been Super Bowl 49 to the Patriots in the fashion that you did. That immediately causes strain. Then you break up the team, give him a massive contract so he stays happy, but then never address any of his lineman issues uh, really try to get back to a good defensive scheme and personnel. Cause they had a pretty horrendous defense after the Legion of boom broke up. Like they never tried to address any of his concerns in the off season. They never really gave him any say in the off season, which as a franchise quarterback you want like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, they've all had, say in in their rosters and i'm sure even guys like matt ryan maybe not yeah. this year but matt ryan's probably had say in the atlanta falcons personnel specifically on offense maybe not so much defensively but drew Brees, he for sure had some say like there's quarterbacks when you get to a certain level you expect some say in the personnel and seattle never really gave him any no not really um and not to say that he necessarily had a bad core around him um offensively no uh, offensively no um the where i think his biggest issue was was with the line um because it did uh it, it started off uh this article talking about wilson who was attending um the kansas city tampa bay yep uh super bowl game from a in couple tampa, years ago yeah from a couple years ago um Tom Brady, who's 43, got hit twice all night in a Super Bowl game. Um, and I wow. think that that is one of those things that really frustrated him, uh, Russell Wilson because it does say here that he had been sacked nearly four times. In 400. His, 400 times, sorry, in his career. Um, which is the most which is, in, yeah which is the most in his first nine seasons since the merger in 1970. Um, and that is a lot of, of dude. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm also not going to sit here and act like Russ hasn't gotten himself into a couple of those sacks because 
when he extends plays, you put yourself at risk for a sack. So some of those yes. are his fault. A lot of them are the fact that he had a very porous offensive line in front of him. Yes, but also, you know, you get down to the the root of the issue here is the offensive line. Why are you extending plays? Because you're feeling pressured. Uh, because there's a couple of because reasons. there's because pressure you can't find you can't find a receiver open. Right. Yes. And maybe he holds on to the ball a little too long um, at times, but still 400 career sacks. Right. That's way too much in nine seasons. Right. Every quarterback holds on to the ball a little too long, especially rookies when they're young. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, they all hold it occasionally for a second too long, trying to get that split second where that guy's open. And so it happens, but your offensive line does contribute a, a fair amount to that. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, those are just, you know, some of the reasons that uh, I think that this relationship had kind of become tumultuous. Um, as you said, 2017, they attended Pat, Patrick Mahomes' pro day. A year later, attended Josh Allen's pro day. Um, and look, I mean, it's, there are 32 starting jobs in the NFL. That's it. And if, if they're attending these, these pro days for potential starting quarterbacks, you know, it, it really screams to you as, as the starting quarterback of the Seahawks that they don't have faith in you. And it showed really late those last couple of years in Seattle that they didn't have full faith in him. No, not at all. Pete Carroll was, uh, uh I want to put this out there right now. I don't like Pete Carroll. Never have. Um, ever since, I, I don't know if you remember this, listeners, if you remember this, Josh, uh, his days at USC. Of course I remember those. And he left that organization right before they got in massive trouble. I mean, let's not be, let's be clear here. I'm sure that I was know it's a Division fairly... football. No, that's actually not where I was going. It was oh. probably fairly mutual because they were going to have to fire him anyway. Like, you can't continue to have him on staff after the recruiting violations were going to come out. Well, sure. But what does he go and do? He goes and gets a job in Seattle. You know, I mean, like, so where's the punishment for that? I, I know that the NCAA can't necessarily do anything about it because he's not in the NCAA anymore. He's not with a college, but it's like, I, I don't know. He just like, he was just like, I'm gonna fuck you over and then I'm out. So it's, it's big brain moves Peace. by Pete Carroll right there. Uh, apparently. No, I, I just, <laughs> I don't particularly care for Pete Carroll period. I don't like I, the way that he runs his offenses. I think that, uh, I, I think, it always brings me back to the Seattle Patriots Super Bowl. If he would have just run fucking Marshawn Lynch, like he from had the one yard the, line for the entire season, yeah, that's I I understand why you don't like him. I'm fairly indifferent. Like I don't necessarily like the guy. I don't dislike him. He's had his scumbag moments. He's had his really good moments. Um, I do agree that his offenses probably are a little too stuck in the past. They seem like. He still wants to cloud a dust, run it down your throat kind of offense, which works to an extent. If you have the you right have guys, to, like if yeah, you have had, to build around it. If he had a pretty solid offensive line and a Derrick Henry, that works. Uh, you know? uh, yeah. I don't even know if you would need a Derrick Henry. I mean, they made it work with Marshawn Lynch, who. Well, Marshawn Lynch wasn't. Was he wasn't touted as a, as great of a running back until he got to Seattle. True. True. But that dude was an absolute animal. And, you know, Oh, absolutely. Once he got there, like he was an animal before he got there. They, the bills who drafted him just never used him. Right. And then I yeah. think he played for one more team. I can't remember who it was before getting to Seattle. Um, but even like Chris Carson, you could have worked him into that and made it less strenuous on 
Russell Wilson, but Chris Carson dealt with injury history, and they never really had that great of a backup or a backup who also wasn't riddled with injuries in their past. Right. Well, and look, there has to be some sort of balance in an NFL offensive scheme. Uh, obviously, right. you have to have a passing game. You have to have a running game. If if you don't have either one of those, uh, if you don't have either one of those, you're not going to be successful. You know, um, you don't even have to have like a good run game and a good pass game. You know, you could have a good run game and a mediocre pass game or a mediocre run game and a good passing game. But if you can work in those play action plays, if you can work in like a, you know, a quarterback draw every once in a while just to kind of keep it fresh that's not something that Pete Carroll does no and, and he relies draw. too heavy he, he relies too heavily on on the run game yeah at times he really does because Seattle's run game without Marshawn Lynch I mean even with Chris Carson was all right but it hasn't ever been up to par and it goes back to obviously the offensive line which after six straight seasons of not getting back to the NFC championship after they nearly repeated as Super Bowl champions after dismantling the Broncos in Super Bowl 48, then barely losing in Super Bowl 49. Russell Wilson wanted, he asked the front office, what are we going to do about the, I'll add the expletive because it's obviously not in the article, but I'm sure it was said, what are we going to do about the fucking offensive line? Yeah. Uh, And they only got worse is uh, during Russ's 10 seasons with the Seattle or with Seattle Seahawks, they ranked last in the NFL uh, in percentage of offensive dropbacks in which the quarterback is sacked, hit, or put under duress. Uh, That's pretty bad for 10 seasons in a row with a quarterback like Russ who can extend plays, but you never want your quarterback to be forced to extend plays, which he was. Yes. Yeah, you never want that. You want a solid, I would think, at least four to five seconds. That it, that's even give him at least three. Yeah, give him at minimum least at least three. But when you've and got it, people on your ass immediately from the snap, dude, it's not good. You know, when you're scrambling out of the pocket from the snap, that's not a that's not how you run a successful offense. We've seen that here for like the past three years. Before, um, before Garrett Bowles figured it out, and we yeah. put, an, uh, uh, put an emphasis on upgrading the Denver Broncos' offensive line. Yes. Um, and, and so, okay, now getting to a little bit more of the story too. So, October 2019, Seahawks at Falcons. Wilson started, jumped out to a 24-0 halftime lead uh, with two touchdowns in the first half. Seahawks only attempted five passes after that. Five in the entire second half. Um, which Wilson really kind of uh, thought kind of lost him or cost him the MVP race um, because Pete Carroll had taken his foot off the gas. Now you're up 24 nothing. You don't necessarily need to keep it on full throttle. Right. But attempting five passes in an entire half, that's... It's pretty bad considering the third quarter you still have to keep your foot on the gas pedal a little bit because 30 minutes Dude, of football is plenty of football to get back in the game. 24 nothing is honestly really not that it's unmanageable. Not un- we saw that in another Super Bowl, did we not? <laughs> yeah, we we saw it with several times with Peyton Manning in a Broncos uniform with yeah, the I, my first Monday memory night football. With, yeah, San Diego Chargers. Yep. When he came back from that deficit. Yep. I the Patriots like, came back from that deficit in a Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons. Ha, nerds, Falcons, you guys suck. Oh, my God. Sorry if we have any Falcons listeners, but that's always going to be the funniest thing in the world. I'm I'm not sorry about it. <laughs> It's hilarious. It no, is like genuinely how do you do that hilarious. in a Super Bowl. I yeah, know the, that it's I know that it's Tom Brady on the other side of the field, but how do you do that in a Super Bowl? Bro, poor Kyle Shanahan. He's got some of the worst like 
defusals in in the Super Bowl history because Falcons, he was the coordinator, I believe, uh, offensive coordinator. Then 49ers with the Chiefs, where he was the head coach. Yeah. And you're like, damn, two of the worst Super Bowl, like two deficits that you shouldn't have given up in either game, and you gave them up in two Super Bowls. Yep. It was pretty bad. It's awful. You know, like, I got a lot of love for the Shanahan family, so. I do and I don't. Uh, so anyway, that kind of, uh, it, that was another two years in, in a row, coffin. might I add after that Falcons year, although the second one was Russ's fault. He had a similar start where he was leading the MVP race. Cause he was just absolutely balling out. And this was the season where the let Russ cook adage was in there. Yep. Uh, and then he had 10 turnovers in four games and yeah, that's it, when Pete Carroll kind of pulled the plug on that, yep. uh, trying to trying to give uh, Russ a little bit more to work with. But again, what are you going to do when you're constantly being pressured? You know, I mean, he did force a lot of balls in there, but he was some of them were desperation. I need to make this play because if I don't, we're going to lose. Yeah, which isn't a good standpoint to get in, but oh well. Um, but I mean, you can tell, especially, oh, and we should say this, uh, the article's title that we are describing here, uh, is inside the Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks drama that led to the Denver Broncos trade by Brady Henderson. It was posted yesterday. Um, so just that forgot to mention that in the start, very good article, very long article, Mm -hmm. but you can tell throughout after they saw the 10, 10 interceptions in four games and they felt that his legs were waning and they probably are. I mean, he's in his thirties natural human genetics catches up with you. You're not going to be as fast as you were when you're a 24 year old compared to 33. Yeah. 24 and 25, 26. Right. It's so a natural down, down fright. This is another uh, interesting stat, which I think that you may have alluded to earlier, but since his rookie season, the Seahawks have been 29th in design pass play rate um, and 21st since 2015 when Wilson signed his first mega deal. Now, somebody with Wilson's arm is in a uh, like bottom 25% in pass play rate. That's pretty bad, you know? No. Why, why even have a quarterback of that calendar uh, or caliber? I don't think that uh, – I honestly don't think that it's going to be that big of a, a loss for the Seahawks because they're losing Russell Wilson. Uh, it's going to look pretty similar to last year when he was dealing with injuries. And you know what? As I was reading this article, it made me start thinking about the Denver Broncos offense. Going to be a similar offense where we saw it last year. Broncos are leaning into the run. They want to be about 50-50, 60-40 now probably this year uh, with Russ. But that designed pass play rate will change. Just because you got to think, like, the Broncos with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, they're going to play off that play-action pass because both of them Mm -hmm. can catch balls out of the backfield. Neither of them are stellar at it, but they can do it, and it's something that we saw last year. The play-action pass is going to be incredible for the Broncos this year. It's going to work for them in so many different ways, and it's going to open up the run game, and I think it's going to be the offense Russ envisioned in Seattle. Well, and um, Nathaniel Hackett has said that he wants to run an explosive offense, and I think play-action is the way to do that, you know? You kind of beat him down with a couple runs, bam. Look at the Rams. So, I I I do agree. I think sixty forty. Obviously, they're gonna they're gonna lean on the run game, um, but not nearly as heavily as the Seahawks have in in Wilson's tenure there. Honestly, um, like like you said before, like I said before, it was fine. It obviously worked when they had a good running back like Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, and a and a decent offensive line. 
Yeah, and I mean the situation continued to progress is the Seattle Seahawks, I will say, just continued to get worse defensively and offensive line wise and health wise. Like they weren't ever really consistently staying healthy on either side of the ball. And then twenty twenty one, late February twenty twenty one, the Athletic published a story detailing the rift between the two, and then his agent dropped an on-the-record bombshell where he told ESPN's Adam Schefter that Wilson hadn't yet requested a formal trade, but he'd waive his trade clause to play for four teams. The Las Vegas Raiders, ha, nerds, uh, New Orleans Saints, Dallas Cowboys, and the Chicago Bears. Don't know why the Bears are on this list. Because even in 2021, they didn't look that good. But the other no. three teams, I can understand. But he's, isn't he from around that? No, he's from Carolina, isn't he? Uh, I think so. Let me look that up. You keep going. I, I know. I know he uh, played in Wisconsin. Yes, he was a badger. Before, yes, he was a badger. Um, he is from Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, okay. All right. So I mean, I, I guess it's close it, to Chicago. But even then, if you want to go play for your hometown, Cincinnati was there. But they would have had Joey B, and they wouldn't have traded him. No, yeah, Joe, <laughs> Joe Burrow. Let's go, Joe, Joe Burr, Joe Burr, Broadway Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for that game this weekend, but we'll dive into that in the next segment. Um, but yeah, so the the not the request, but that bombshell was dropped, and then Wilson and Carroll discussed the possibility of a trade. And that's when a Seattle Seahawks front office member that's just a source, not given a name, quoted in this article, that's when shit got real. And obviously ESPN had a blur out shit, but they shouldn't have. I know what it is. Um, so that's when things really got heated up. There was a lot of a lot of discomfort, I would say, and disconnect in that locker room. For the 2020 season, 2021 season, he hurt his finger, didn't play that well. I think he only played 10 games last season, perhaps less. Seahawks struggled without him. Um, and the, this article, I will just read this off, is because it is great description. Um, it, the article says, one notable play from last season that helped fuel the belief came in the Seahawks Week 16 loss to the visiting Bears. Um, sorry, this is setting up that he's not as mobile as he used to be. Obviously, he's 32 years old at this point. He's not going to be as mobile. Um, so the article says one notable play from last season that helped fuel this belief came from the Seahawks week 16 loss to the visiting Bears. Leading by seven, seven points midway through the fourth quarter, Wilson took a shotgun snap on third down and had a clean pocket, but no options that he liked. Wilson scrambled out of the backside with his patented spin move, but there was no magical escape. Robert Quinn dropped him for a 13-yard sack, the ensuing longer field goal, longer missed field goal, and defensive collapse resulted in a loss that eliminated the Seahawks from playoff contention for the second time in Wilson's career. Uh, and then Carroll said in his postgame, we can't take a sack there. And Wilson said, I was just trying to play ball like I know how to do and always do. And honestly, I feel like this is just, it's a great description of the play, but it's a really bad example. Because he took a sack because he rolled out of the pocket because he didn't have anything he liked. Doesn't really warrant that his legs aren't as good as he used to be. No. And naturally they are. We brought it up. They're they're going to be. No, dude's 30, 33, you know, almost 34. Um, he's obviously going to take a decline. That's just how age works, you know? Um, right. Ask me how I know. <laughs> but, uh, it, like, it, it doesn't mean that he can't still be an effective quarterback. We look at Tom Brady. We look at Peyton Manning, what they did into their 40s, you know? Um, I I still think he can be a, a successful, he can still be... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking here for, Josh? He can still be um, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, an elite I mean, yeah, level quarterback. That's, 
An elite level quarterback, yes. He, an effective quarterback. That's what I'm looking for. Um, you know, he may have to kind of adjust the way he plays the game. He may have to stand in the pocket a little bit more than he likes to, but he's got the arm to do it, you know? Yeah, and naturally as you age, and quarterbacks talk about this all the time, is the game changes. You have to change. Your play style has to change. You you have to read the field a little bit better, a little bit quicker, because you can't get out of the pocket. You have to make things like Tom Brady. Always been a pocket passer. Used to hang in there a little bit more. Now that man gets the ball out in 2.5 to 3 seconds pretty much every play. Yeah, it's in his hands and it's gone. Right. Like, you have to naturally work to different strengths of yours as you get older, and I think that that's what Russell Wilson is going to do. Yeah, obviously he's got the the drive and the uh, determination to become one of the best to ever play the game. He's right. He said that multiple times and he has the skills to be able to do it. Right. I, and, I think it'll absolutely happen. You know, yeah. he will, he will try and change his game up to suit his abilities a little bit better. I agree. I agree. And just to kind of broad stroke, wrap this up uh, so that we can get into week one. It felt like just with the nature of the front office, the style that Pete Carroll wanted to run, and the fact that Russell Wilson wanted to throw the ball more than he was given the ability to, uh, and just the nature of him getting older, the Seahawks viewing him as potentially going younger and cheaper, as so much of the NFL does, uh, that naturally the relationship just kind of wore down. And despite Russ saying the year before he got traded that he wanted to be a Seahawk for life, that isn't the way business goes. And the NFL is a business. And the Seahawks and Russell Wilson just weren't on the same page for that business. Nope. There were there were a lot of a lot of nails that kind of really, you know, yeah, shut that coffin. Let's put it that way. And, yeah. Uh, and pff, man, I'm happy for it. <laughs> As a yeah, I'm not upset fan, about it. I'm not upset about it at all. Uh, it worked out for the best. I I, I think for. For both parties, I think the Seahawks can can move on now and they can do their thing or, you know, continue to be a mediocre team under Pete Carroll. It's probably what's going to happen, although Pete Carroll will probably be fired by 2024. Yeah, I would assume so. Um, and I don't think that he'll work another head coaching job in the NFL again. Probably not. He's just getting too old. And if he does get another job, it's going to be for a franchise that's just looking for any sign of hope for a warm body. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, we'll soon be able to see Russell Wilson for the first time ever in a Broncos uniform here on Monday night. But prior to jumping into that game, because I'm sure we'll have plenty to, to say there are a couple big ones tonight is obviously the season opener. We're not, we're not touching on that one too much. I think the bills win. Yeah. I think it's going to be a close game, but I'll, ultimately I think it's going to be, uh, you know, like uh, twenty-seven, twenty-four bills. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an offensive game yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, that should be a fun one. Christmas is finally here. Football's back. Sports are back. I feel renewed. Depression has faded. <laughs> There's more than just baseball on. Right. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank God. Um. But there's a couple of really good matchups. There's some matchups that I honestly don't care to see. And there's some matchups that I'm really, really excited for. Um, A lot of them are divisional matchups, I will be honest. Like uh, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati. I think that game's going to be an absolute banger. It's at 11 a.m. on Sunday, so it's going to start us off just right on CBS 2. It's going to be perfect. Uh, I, I like this game, though. Because it'll be the first time to see Trubisky in a Steelers uniform. And then it'll give us a sense of how soon we see Kenny Pickett. Because we're going to see him at some point. Like, Kenny Pickett will be one of the few rookie quarterbacks that gets a legit shot this year, in my mind. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really have, I don't think, a whole lot of um, competition. They literally, like, what, two days ago? As of this pod, uh, as of our 
you know, recording, recording, uh, announced that Trubisky would be the starting quarterback this yep. week. And, and Pickett is the QB two. Mason Rudolph is officially the third string. Yeah. I, I think Kenny Pickett gets a, excuse me. I think he gets a pretty good, solid chance. Um, honestly, I think once Trubisky kind of, you know, shits the bed, like, we all know that he probably will. <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch watch Trubisky just come out just guns a blazing. Absolutely fall. fall. I would I would I will say that I was wrong. I would live here I, on this podcast, but I, I I don't have any faith in him, you know. Hey, we know Mike Tomlin will at least get him to nine and eight. That man doesn't have losing seasons and this will for sure not be his first. No, absolutely not. Um uh, but it's going to be on the back of the defense and TJ Watt. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, uh, Bengals, I think are going to run away with this one though. Yeah. I think the Bengals. I think that the spread right now, the over under is, uh, 44 Bengals are favored by six and a half. I take the Bengals over that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> take the over on the Bengals. Take the over for sure. 44. I, think we'll see damn near almost in the first half. Almost probably from the Bengals. I think they score at least 20 in the first. I don't think that it's going to be quite that much. Um, I think that they'll score a solid 13, 14. They'll have a couple touchdowns in the first. Did you say first half or first quarter? Sorry. First half. Oh, yeah. I could see them having like 21 in the first half. Yeah, right. for sure. First quarter might be because uh, every – Every team is going to have the first drive. I don't think we're going to see a ton of opening scores from anybody. No, they're all getting their legs back. Right. Um, but I do think Steelers Bengals will be just an electric game along with another divisional matchup. Packers Vikings feels like a ceremonial week one matchup. Yeah. And this one is projected a lot closer than it usually is. Usually the Packers are favored by like at least a touchdown. But this year, the spread is 1.5. But, I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers lost his major offensive weapon in Devontae Adams. I don't know if it's going to matter a ton. I think, Aaron Jones, think, so? is gonna, I think Aaron Jones is going to be a monster out of the backfield this year. Alan Lazard is still going to – plus, it's Aaron freaking Rodgers. He'll I make, know that it's Aaron Rodgers. I know that it's Aaron Rodgers, and he'll find a way to be an effective – he'll be effective. I don't think he'll be as effective. I don't either, but – I think he he's going to make his rookies look real good. And I think that A.J. Dillon, I think, what, now in his third year, we're going to see a lot more out of that backfield than we kind of have in previous history because they have to run the ball a little bit more. Sure. So I, I do think the Packers are going to be just fine. I would not be surprised if the Vikings end up winning this game, though. No, not at all. Um, For, I, I do think that they win, um, but I, by a field goal. You know, maybe a touchdown. It's going to be close. It's going to be a, going to be a one possession game. Yep. I do think. Absolutely. Division rivalry here. Another division rivalry. An AFC West division rivalry. Yeah, that, were, that was where I was going next. Chargers Raiders. Oh, I'm so excited for this game. I really yeah. am. Honestly, Plus, man, I've been excited for the AFC West, uh, you know, ever since Russ came on board. Um, because they finally have like four solid teams should, I, I, let me rephrase. They should have four solid teams as long. Obviously health is the biggest factor in that, but they're going to be four solid teams. Yeah. Like just on paper, you look at their rosters. If somebody is below 500, something catastrophic happened. Yeah. I, I think that you're right about that. Um, there's just so much firepower too much. There's so much defensive presence, honestly, in this division right now. Like there's, I think the chiefs honestly have the worst defense in the, in the division right now. And I would still put it top half of the league. Uh, mm, top half of the league. I might put it top half of the league. They're pretty bad. I know they're that they're not pretty great. bad. At, at least top 20. I'll give you a top 20 because I think they're still opportunistic, but like they're pretty bad. 
especially losing Tyran Matthew, who was really the heart and soul of that defense. They got to find another leader. Yeah. Like that's, that's really what it comes down to is I just don't think that they have, they're going to have the same leadership aspect and attack it the same way. Fair enough. I'll give you that. But I still think top 16. You really think that there's 16 better defenses in the league? I don't know. If I had more than like a minute to think about it, I sh- I bet you I could come up with damn near 16 of them. Okay. All right. I just, all right. Just looking at some of the schedule, I can the Packers have a better defense, San Fran has a better defense, Pittsburgh has a better defense. I might say Cincinnati might have a better defense, but that one would be pretty damn close. Um Indianapolis has a better defense, Cleveland has a better defense. Baltimore has a better defense. New England has a better defense. Miami has a better defense. Obviously, the teams playing tonight, Rams and Bills, have a better defense. Tampa Bay, I would say, has a better defense. Raiders, Chargers have a better defense. Broncos have a better defense. Vikings, oh, that's also probably pretty close. Hmm. Philly's got a better defense. That was at least 12. That was... That was 17. So, but a, cu- a couple of those are toss-ups, you know? Yeah, a couple. They would be pretty close to 16. Yeah. I would really have to look at personnel and the numbers, but um, I would I would say that they're probably middle of the pack. I would give you top 20 for sure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely top 20. I think I think right there in the middle of of the NFL in terms of defenses. They're not good, but they're not awful. Right. Um, the Raiders, solid defense. The Chargers, solid defense. The Broncos, I think, have the best defense. I might be a little biased about it, but also the numbers kind of back that up. I, I think the Chargers have the best pass rush, but the Broncos have the best overall defense. Okay. Okay, yeah. I, I think that's fair. Because, I mean, you think about the Chargers' defense, Joey Bosa... Khalil Mack on the edges. Oh, H, baby. Joey no, Bosa, let's go. All right, you and your Ohio State fandom. Oh, can we just talk real quick about, no, about the Ohio State-Notre no. Dame game? It was Come on, no, dude, that was awful. the best game. Okay, that was the second best game of the weekend. Yeah, it, that doesn't. that's not setting a great precedent. It was, it was a pretty cut and dry, like everybody won who we thought was going to win. I mean, okay, but it was the second. Did you think Florida State was going to beat LSU? Yeah. Especially in that fashion? Well, not in that fashion, but I did. I mean, think that Florida was a State was going to win. Phenomenal ending, dude. I thought Florida was. I oh, it was the best game of the weekend. Yeah, that's why I uh, said the Ohio State Notre Dame game was the second best game of the weekend. Dude, Appalachian State North Carolina was an electric game. We're not going to sit here and act like that wasn't. Okay, yeah, but they score like sixty some points in the sixty three, sixty one, sixty two in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Appalachian State alone scored forty in the fourth. Yeah, and still lost. It's, yeah. Dude, if they complete one two-point conversion, if they complete the first two-point conversion, they win that game. But they couldn't fucking do it. Uh, but, yes, fine. Yes, Ohio State won. Notre Dame looked miserable in the second half. Ohio State's finally got a defense, baby. <laughs> I guess. They're still going to get steamrolled by the SEC, but... I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, we'll get into that next week. Let's go. Yeah, we All can right. we can talk about that next week. <laughs> um, but jumping back into NFL, another intriguing matchup, I think, staying in the division for this one, for one team, Chiefs-Cardinals. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, Kyler Murray versus Pat Mahomes. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Definitely an o- offensive game. Plus, Cardinals don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks, so Marquise Brown will get to showcase himself. Uh, Zach Ertz, if he plays, will have a good opportunity. James Conner will have a good opportunity. They lost Christian Kirk, but they added some stuff to their defense. So I think that's a good game. Plus, we'll get to see what the Chiefs offense with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquise Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore looks like, no Tyreek Hill, what that looks like, and then get to see what that abysmal defense looks like as well. Uh, Uh, Mediocre. I wouldn't say abysmal. I would say mediocre. It's pretty bad, dude. It's not good, but we we already we already said it's middle of the road. Yeah, that was off the top of my head too. I'm sure I could find a way to bury him in the top in the bottom. 
I don't uh, think you can. I'm sure I could. Because there's some, there are some abysmal defenses in the NFL right now. I don't think the Chiefs are one of them. They're not good. Maybe that's what we'll have to. Maybe we'll dive into that again next week. Um, but I think the Chiefs Cardinals game will be very fun, very fun to watch. Yes. Uh, Cowboys Bucks will be another really good one. Mm-hmm. Get to see that Grim Reaper himself, the man who made a deal with the devil to continue to play well at 45. Uh, Tom Brady. You know, I'm honestly um, excited to watch this Browns Panthers game too. Me too. Um, you know, seeing Baker Mayfield going to uh, Cleveland, bro. I hope he. Or dices sorry, you know, take up. on Cleveland. They're, yeah, because playing in, they're in Carolina. In, I hope Baker dices him up. I, I do too. I, I like. I was never a big Baker Mayfield fan, but oh, what the either. Browns did to him that was pretty. That was pretty low. It was pretty low. It was pretty. It's a pretty douchey move. Yeah. To it's, really not tell him you were going to try to trade for Deshaun. Almost finalize the deal. Trade Baker somewhere else. The deal falls through because Deshaun doesn't want to go to Cleveland. Then you're like, oh, wait, Baker, we need a quarterback. And he tells you to fuck off and trade him. Yep. And then Deshaun's like, oh, shit, Cleveland's my only landing spot. So he accepted the trade. Then you trade Baker for fucking pennies. And then you play him week one. I hope he is 400 yards and five touchdowns. I would laugh so hard. You know, I have such a low opinion of the Browns. Anyway, if you haven't heard any of those podcasts about <laughs> me, absolutely just fucking going off about yeah. the Browns and Deshaun Watson, go check them out. Yeah, they're good listens. Really yeah. fun, angry listens. Oh, it's been a look. This has been a fun podcast because the past few weeks have been just miserable, unfortunately. Dude. They have having been. to talk about some pretty heavy stuff. Oh. Yeah. Uh. But, but it's Christmas. Can't be sad today. No, can't be. Can't be. Had to have a fun one today. Yep. All right. And then uh, we'll just, we'll wrap this one up um, real quick. Uh, Eagles. So Eagles Lions, who you got? Eagles. Eagles. <laughs> Look, the I think I think have. the Lions are going to be better than they were last year, but like that's not setting a high bar. The Lions right now, the limit is like 6-7 um wins. That's that's the line. They're not going to be a good team. No. No, not by a long shot. Uh Eagles I think win this one pretty handily. 49ers yeah. Bears. 49ers. Trey, Trey Lance, I'm really excited for that Trey Lance game. Just to see what he looks like in his debut, and then we'll we'll get to speculate how soon Jimmy G comes back. Or if he does at all, depending on how he looks. Yeah, Trey Lance may just absolutely ball. Yeah. Um, Steelers-Bengals, we kind of already touched on that one. I think we're both in agreement. Bengals by yep. quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, Patriots-Dolphins. This one's tough. This one's tough because the pet the Pats have the tools to beat the Patriots, but if Tua can figure out how to find Tyreek and like get in a good chemistry with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle and uh Chase Edmonds, who I think is gonna have a monster year in fantasy and in real life, um if he can get that happen, I think the Dolphins win. But it fully depends on Bill Belichick scheming because Bill Belichick does not lose many week ones, especially against divisional opponents. So my heart's telling me Patriots, but my mind statistically is telling me Dolphins. See, I'm kind of the opposite. I think my heart is telling me Dolphins. My mind is telling me Patriots. So is that just a unanimous, are we going Patriots then? Well, no, it's a toss-up, dude. I don't know. <laughs> Let's. Mm, I think Patriots because I th- I do think that they have a little bit more chemistry. That offense, uh, Bill Belichick will have a pretty good scheme, especially against a divisional opponent. Um, I think it'll take a few games for the Dolphins to really kind of find their stride. Um, yeah, I agree. So I think the Patriots, but not by much. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be a, a good one. game. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, for sure. Browns, Panthers. I think Panthers will win this one pretty handily. 
I think the Panthers win. I don't know if it's handily, but I do think the Panthers win just because Jacoby Brissett, when it comes down to it, if they're down by a touchdown with five minutes let, left, he's not the guy to lead a, a game-winning drive. I think Baker Mayfield's going to have something to play for here. Oh, week he absolutely one, does. Week one, and I think he'll actually play pretty well. Me too. So I think that the Panthers will win by uh, at least double digits. I could see a touchdown or 10. Yeah. Uh, Colts-Texans, another divisional uh, game going on here. Colts. Yeah, I was like, what are Colts, we talking Matt about Matt Ryan. Here? Colts. Jonathan Taylor. I don't need Matt Ryan. Jonathan Taylor's going to have like two touchdowns, 200 yards. Thank Fair God, fantasy-wise, I got him. <laughs> Saints-Falcons. I think Saints win this one. Yeah, Falcons are going to be shit this year. Yep. Ravens-Jets. <laughs> Ravens are going to hey. absolutely fucking walk. They're going to super space walk the yeah. Jets, dude. Yeah, Joe Flacco's in for a rough one, week one. Yeah. Not, it's it's not even going to be close. No, uh, Jaguars-Commanders. This is the most milk-toast game on the schedule this season. <laughs> Carson Wentz is something to play for. Whoever at the whoever at the NFL scheduling is fucked up because they were like, hey, Carson, you remember how you blew the playoffs last year with the Colts to the Jags? Yeah, you get them week one, bitch. And so I, I do think the commanders, not really, not really. I think the Jags probably win this game. But I hope for, the, for Carson Wentz, he gets his revenge. Yeah, sure. I'm I've never had anything against Carson Wentz. Right, he's just kind of there. Yeah. Um, yeah, G- milk toast game, dude. Uh, Packers, Vikings. We talked. Giants, yep. Titans. Also, uh, no, this one's not super milk toast. I guess Titans are gonna shit on them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This one's tough. Raiders, Chargers. I honestly, I don't know. It's it's a toss up for me. I, I think that. Uh, I think the Chargers win this one. Though. Yeah, I'm taking the Chargers. Yeah, I think the Chargers win this one. Um, I just think uh, the Raiders will have a little bit too much on their hands with uh, Justin Herbert and that whole offense and everything like that. It's just going to be tough for them. Chiefs, Cardinals. Mm. Cardinals. Yeah, I think the Cardinals win this one at home. Uh, I think that they just have a better all-around team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Bucks, Cowboys, Bucks, Bucks, fuck the Cowboys. Yeah. It's the uh, final game then. Final Bring game to the, probably the easiest one on the entire schedule. Yeah. I mean, yes, people were both Broncos fans. We're biased. So we're picking the Broncos. I don't even need to be biased to pick but the Broncos. You don't need to be biased <laughs> to pick the Broncos. Like they're going to, they're going to absolutely smoke the Seahawks. Right, like this game shouldn't be a close one. It shouldn't. And I think right now... Because, again, kind of like the Carolina-Cleveland situation, Russ has got something to play for here. Right, and Broncos right now are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Like, I think that six-and-a-half is probably generous for the Seahawks as well. I think the Broncos win by at least two scores. I agree. Um, And I actually did take a picture. Bleacher Report... Posted uh, their own uh, picks and predictions. Uh, score prediction: thirty-eight seventeen. Broncos. Every single, every single one of them picks Broncos, and I think that that's pretty realistic. Yeah, I agree with that. Thirty-eight might be too high for Russ's first game in a Denver uniform. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, just because the Seattle defense least, is fucking awful. Yeah, twenty-eight. I think easy though. Oh, yeah, I think 28 is a very doable number. Yeah, and even still, that's well over the spread, or the, uh, yeah, the spread. Yeah, well, and I think the Broncos defense holds Seattle to at least, I think 14 is probably the max I would give Seattle in this first game. Geno Smith looked all right with DK last year, but it's Geno Smith. I think the Broncos are going to send plenty of pressure, make him uncomfortable, and PS2 gets at least one pick. I like it. I like it. It's my official prediction. Cool. Cool. Right. Is there anything else? No. No, I need to go get ready for class as well. So uh, let's 
let's go and get out of here, huh? All right. All right, people. That's going to do it. Check us out next week. That's the end of this week's episode of the Wired Up Sports Podcast. As Christmas is finally today. If you're a sports fan, it's great to be back. It's great to have football back. God, I just feel so happy. Depression has faded. Everything is good in the Josh Coleman world. And I'm sure it's good in your world as well. Absolutely, buddy. Absolutely. All right. Check us out on all your podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, anywhere you listen to your podcast and check us out on Twitter. Dylan already said it in the start of the episode, so I'm just going to leave it there. Have a good rest of your day, everybody. Bye.